0: Proceeding from the great commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, the early church exploded and countless souls were made new by the atoning work of Christ. Dead hearts were made alive and churches sprouted up throughout the world. As a need for clear and concise biblical interpretation arose, the reformed confessions of the faith were written and still have a major impact on the church today. Confessional Collective desires to see healthy, theologically sound churches planted and on mission for the Kingdom of Christ. Welcome to The Confessional Collective.
1: Welcome to The Confessional Collective for Truth
0: Meets Mission. My name is Aaron Carr. And I am Chris Santola.
1: Hey
0: Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, doing well, buddy. Living the dream in Southern California. Hey, we got some big news for everybody, don't we? We do. You want to share it or should I share it?
1: Well, I think maybe we could do it at the same time.
0: We could try that. Why don't you just just do it? All
1: right. All right. I'll share it. (laughs) We had gotten a personal invitation to join the Society of Reform podcast, and we said yes. Mm -hmm. So now we're officially on the Society of Reform podcast. I'm not sure entirely what all the benefits are. I'm going to wait for my royalty checks to start coming in.
0: It sounds cool, though.
1: It does sound cool. It does sound cool. And it helped that skinny shinny helped us get this gig, right? Mm-hmm. He was really on us saying, Hey, we need to beat in this. And then once I saw that Tony arsenal was in it, I was like, we're in.
0: Yep. So uh, shout out to uh, skinny shinny. Thanks buddy.
1: And, uh, the rest of the crew there at the society reform podcast. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be a part of it and, uh, looking forward to building that relationship, supporting each other and encourage each other, uh, in doing good reform podcasts, right?
0: Amen. That, so, so I got a, I got one other question for you now, though. Before we go any further,
1: all right, all right.
0: Have you gotten your custom license plate?
1: I have not gotten my custom license. Oh. plate. Oh, dude, the DMV is really disappointing me right now. <laughs> I'm now getting texts from like parishioners at my church. Pastor, do you realize you don't have a license plate in your car? Hey, pastor, did somebody steal your license plate? You know, because It's just blank. All I have is this little paper thing that's in my window in the back of my Jeep, and you can't even see it.
0: (laughs) It'll be worth it, though. It'll be worth it.
1: It will be. I'm excited. uh, I'm just anticipating the day that I get to have my car tattooed with the BB Warfield. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. You know, we never did get you to give us answers to what you would would, uh, license plate your car with.
0: I don't know. We had some good ideas, though. I, none. Of, I don't know. I can never think of anything that I can condense into uh, into a license plate. Either that, or it's all the the ones that are already taken. All the good ones are already taken.
1: They are. They are usually. And now BB Warfield is off that list. So you, you exactly. Of course, <laughs> I guess you could have it in California. You you do live in a different state, so.
0: Yeah, but out here, people have already taken. I've gone on the DMV website and tried like you know you can go on there and put in your ideas and see if it's already taken. It's like everything's already taken. <laughs>
1: you got a lot of Christians there, or you're picking a lot of secular things to write in your license plate.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've got a, another matter here of great importance that we have to discuss, and that is, what am I going to get for lunch today? I've got this sandwich kick going on, and I'm, I'm going around to these different sandwich places. Here in, in the dirty desert of Southern California, we've been getting all of these new sandwich places. And, you know, some of them have kind of been hit and miss. Some of them have been good. What do you have out there that you like, Aaron?
1: Well, first of all, I have to remind our listeners, there's a four-hour difference in time for you to meet. I just finished lunch. So just finishing lunch, I just came back from one of our sandwich places called Penn Station. Every Wednesday, which is our recording day today, we um, meet with the church planners, and afterwards we go out to lunch and they like this place called Penn Station, which is actually pretty decent sandwiches. So I, I got to put it on my list if you're looking for sandwiches. Um, you know, the old staple used to be Subway. I'm not a big Subway fan anymore. Mm. Uh, eat, eat fresh or think fresh or whatever the phrase was. It wasn't so fresh.
0: So now, that, that's like entry level.
1: Entry level. Yeah, yeah.
0: Entry we, level into the sandwich world.
1: Another place we have is called uh, Firehouse Subs. Are you familiar with that? We, Do you guys we, have, that? we
0: have one of those.
1: Okay. It's got cool atmosphere when you walk in. You ear's like uh, fireman's gear everywhere. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool in that regard. However, I don't think the sandwiches are as good as Penn Station.
0: See here, you know, we've got Jersey Mike's, which, uh, you know, they've been okay. And we've got firehouse subs. We we obviously have Subway because there's one of those like everywhere. Uh, But the one thing that I was really happy we just got here is we've got a Jimmy John's. Ah. You know, when I was up in Washington, up in the Northwest for a while, they had Jimmy John's and I kind of fell in love with Jimmy John's and we came back down here and the next thing I knew there was a Jimmy John's opening. And, and I'm actually friends with the owner. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I'm friends with the owner of Jimmy John's. And so that's kind of been the, uh, the big thing here now.
1: Now, in Jimmy John's, well, it's like Wicked Fast, right? Isn't that like their wicked
0: theme? Wicked Fast. It's like you, as soon as you pay for your sandwich, they're all, here you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did that happen? You didn't even know what I was ordering.
1: I think they read but, your mind before you even come in. So it's like. It's, it's
0: something, uh, man. Uh,
1: and we also have, we have a place called Jersey Giants. Jersey Giants is one of my favorite. They actually cut the meat right there in front of you. You see how fresh everything is. It's, it's a pretty good sub. So I, I don't know if that's like Jersey Mike's or not, but Jersey Giants is kind of a, a, a staple to our, our diet here in
0: Michigan. Well, see, this is great. And the reason I had to ask because like you said, you're, you're in the future already. You're, you're three hours in the future from me. You've already had lunch, so you know what's good. So this is like you speaking into the past and saying, do not be deceived. This is, this is where the good sandwiches are
1: like a bad, a bad episode of, uh, of, of Back to the Future is what this yeah.
0: is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, let's get down to it. What are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about the topic of To the Glory of God. Now, the reason we chose this topic is you and I were starting to have some fun conversation about the different ways in which people will throw that out, that they're doing such and such to the glory of God. And some of it is just outlandish, some of the things people come up with. Because there's no way you can do such and such to the glory of God. We're going to talk about some of those examples. and then Talk we're about going to, the such and suches. Yeah, we'll talk about the such and suches. But I guess before we do that, we need to define our terms and, and kind of roll our sleeves up here. So let's start with the scriptures, which is always the best place to start. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. I'm going to let you read that and discuss a little bit of what it means, the, the glory of God.
0: First Corinthians 1031 tells us this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is the passage that is often referred to. I, just so you know, I love that passage. Uh, that's like uh, that's one of Centola's life verses <laughs> right there. Uh, I, I I don't have it on a coffee cup, but if I could, I would.
1: Tattooed on your back.
0: I don't have that either, because <laughs> I'm not sure that I could get a tattoo on my back to the glory of God. Ooh, is it a such and such? Oh, that's a such and such. That's what that's what we got to discuss.
1: Send just, all of your hate mail to Chris and Tola, please. Yep,
0: yep. I just uh, I just got the attention of at least a few people.
1: You've you've encouraged <laughs> the fundamentalist and you've scared the liberals.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh oh. So, so when we talk about doing something to the glory of God, we better quickly define what we're getting into here before we uh, get ourselves into trouble. Uh, when we talk about doing something to the glory of God, what, let's define that. What does that mean uh, to do something to the glory of God? And the way I would simply define that is that we are doing something that, that honors God in accordance with the Word of God, that we are using the gifts of God according to the revealed will of God uh, in order to uh, give thanks or magnify God.
1: Okay, okay, and I think one of the things you've said in the past: we're not using a microscope
0: mm-hmm. to magnify
1: God; we're using a telescope. Right. And so there is that sense that we're not we're not looking in to, to uh, dissect God in that regard, the way in which we bring him glory. But I do like what you said; it matches our catechism. Questions 1 and 2 of the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which says, the chief end of man. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Catechism question number 2 immediately goes right off of that to define how we know how to glorify God by saying, what rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him? The answer, the Word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. So you've already summarized all of that, which is the catechism's teaching, and the idea that man's primary purpose is that whatever he does, do it for the glory of God. You want to know how to make sure what you're doing is glorifying God. The scripture is your only rule. Notice it says only the Old Testament and New Testament, 66 books. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with all these secret visions and prophecies people have? Obviously, anything that's contrary to Scripture, everybody just dismisses. But what if it's not contained in Scripture? Such as my wife's name, Amanda. I don't see Amanda written in Scripture.
0: (laughs) That, you know, there's some things, obviously, that uh, are just not directly addressed in Scripture. Now, I tend to think that uh, those kind of issues are a lot of times much more rare than we would like to think that they are. Because I hear people all the time, well, the scripture doesn't actually say this. Yeah, maybe not specifically or directly, but it does deal with the issue uh, in some way. And it's just a matter of finding out. Another way to put it is the gray area is far smaller than I think is often recognized.
1: Uh, True that. I can give you that point. And there's obviously clear things in scripture that we're supposed to do. Right. For, forsake not the assembling together. So when I go to church, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing glory to God by doing that. When I we are reading, going to glorify God. Yep. When I open my Bible and I read it, I'm reading to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I'm praying, I'm praying to the glory of God. I mean, all of those things, I clearly see how this verse matches up. What about, right. what about things that aren't religious, to give it that term?
0: Well, could we say, could you go to work to the glory of God? Could you do your job, your vocation to the glory of God?
1: Well, we know the answer is yes, although people may not feel like that's to the (laughs) glory of God. Especially what if your work is a place where there's lots of foul language, uh, uh, I've been, you know, we're in Michigan here, so we're in we're in uh, the automotive industry, lots of factories, and I don't know if you've ever been in a factory, Chris, but you can walk in a factory and there, uh, in people's lockers and things, are posters that you would be embarrassed if your mother ever saw,
0: right? It is not a sanctified environment.
1: Not a sanctified environment. <laughs> and so you can say, well, can that person really go to that job for the glory of God?
0: Absolutely, because while you might not be in a sanctified environment... Ah, uh, you can be a sanctified uh, individual in that environment as long as the environment in and of itself, by by the nature of your work is not sinful.
1: by the nature of your work, not sinful, or not uh, forcing you to violate the Bible
0: exactly. Like,, uh, you know, you may go into your work and your your coworkers, you know, maybe uh, they're, they're not believers, uh, you know, and there might be various sinful things that they're going to say and do and that kind of thing. But your work itself, like you, for your example, you know, you're making cars, putting cars together. Uh, that's not sinful. And the way you glorify God in that environment is you do a good job at making cars. You know, whatever it is that you do. Like, I I think it was Martin Luther who once said that the, uh, the Christian shoemaker uh, does not glorify God in his vocation by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. And and so we glorify God in our vocation by doing it well and with the recognition uh, in our hearts and minds that we are doing it to the glory of God. And I think that, by the way, goes that changes our dynamic in our own thinking of how we do our jobs, that we don't do them begrudgingly or uh, angrily, but that it will allow us to go in knowing that uh, this work is what God has set forth for me to do, and I will do it with some sense of joy unto his glory.
1: What about loving your neighbor? We talked about going to work, loving your neighbor. Obviously, we're called to love our neighbors. Now, let's get into the crevices of what this looks like. Me loving my neighbor, I'm helping the old lady across the street. Hey, to the glory of God, Right.
0: To the glory of God.
1: But what if it's a bank robber and the bank robber slips and falls? Do I help him pick him up? Am I loving my neighbor that way? Do I tackle him and hold him down till the police officers get there? How do I love the bank robber to the glory of God?
0: Uh, I would say that uh, you go over and dive tackle him and hold him there to uh, be held accountable for his crime, uh, to love your neighbors who are being ripped off by him robbing from the bank.
1: Uh, so if I pull out my thirty eight and keep it pointed at him till the police show up, I'm doing, I'm loving my neighbors well, including the bank robber.
0: Mm-hmm. That he might see the error of his ways and be brought to repentance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I, I've tried to get you some sticky situations. You've you've clawed your way out. I'm I'm impressed with the way uh, it I'm trying. You're... <laughs> All right. Let's let's get to uh, some ways in which. We cannot honor God by doing, for example, sex outside of marriage cannot be done to the glory of God. Although God invented sex, Mm -hmm. sex outside of marriage cannot be to the glory of God. You agree with Uh, that statement?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Taking a good gift from God and using it in a manner uh, which God has not prescribed or even specifically prescribed against uh, is not honoring to God. So yeah, you you cannot have sex out of the uh, God-intended design for sex within marriage between a man and a woman with and say that you're doing that to the glory of God.
1: Okay, I'll give you another one. Illegal drugs. Everybody says, surely a person cannot take illegal drugs to the glory of God. It just so happens in my state, as well as in the state of Colorado, and I believe in the state of California, there mm-hmm. is legalized marijuana, is there not?
0: Yes, I knew that's where you were going.
1: <laughs>
0: so help us walk through that one, Obi One. Uh, you know, I'm a little disturbed that I'm on the uh, this side of the <laughs> this side of the discussion. Okay, let's talk illegal drugs. Just view, th- this
1: is, view this as an ordination
0: exam. Oh my gosh, this does come up quite a bit, especially since. Uh, you know, marijuana has been legalized in a number of states now. Uh, we're kind of talking about two different things at once, though, that we should probably differentiate. One is we started off saying illegal drugs. Uh, if it is illegal, you cannot do it to the glory of God, um, period. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's illegal, unless uh, the, the, the state, the government is telling you to do something specifically which uh, God would have you to do otherwise. Then we, you know, must obey God rather than men. And we do that to the glory of God. But otherwise, if something is illegal, then we are to obey the law and not do that thing. So if a drug is illegal, no, you can't do that to the glory of God. Now, the sticky situation has come in here recently where marijuana has now been legalized for recreational use in a number of states. So now what? Um, Can this be used to the glory of God? I don't know about you, Aaron. I've. I've heard a lot of compelling argumentation on both sides of this. Uh, Now, in particular, I would say no, because, and I know there's those that are going to argue against this. uh, And by the way, just to put it out there, I have no issue with the medicinal, the controlled medicinal use uh, of a substance such as marijuana, any more than I would any other controlled substance uh, prescribed by a physician. But uh, when it comes to recreational use, people will say, "Well, what is the difference between you know having a beer and smoking a joint?" I think the difference is this: uh, you can enjoy a beer and not be intoxicated. Uh, you can not you cannot be uh, high in that sense just by drinking a beer. To where when you're smoking marijuana, I don't know anybody who smokes marijuana who who enjoys they're doing it for the flavor. Uh, they're doing it because it complements their meal. They're doing it because they're getting a buzz, because they're becoming put into an altered state by that substance. Um, now, there, I know there are those who are going to argue against that but and say, well, that's not why I do it. Well, OK, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing how you can do that and not be affected by it. Uh, And so I think that's why I draw a line between those two things is, uh, you know, alcohol you can consume without it impairing you mentally. The entire point of smoking marijuana is that it might impair you mentally. So uh, I don't know that that's been my thoughts on it. Uh, I might get letters. That's okay. What do you think?
1: You, You love hate mail, don't you?
0: Yeah, well, I got used to it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you answer these questions before I give any input. I have one more that the question of can you do this to the glory of God.
0: We're going to come to the end of this and it's going to be like, all right, well, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> let's, okay, one more, one more.
1: Let's think about ministry. Somebody uh-huh. says, I believe my ministry is to witness at strip clubs. In fact, I'm going to start a ministry called Perverts for Christ. Mm. Can that be done? Can you do a gospel ministry in the strip club as a male?
0: Oh, oh was that at the end of the question? Yeah, that was silent. Oh, I'm I, 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 sorry. I didn't catch the question mark at the end of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, can you do that as a male specifically? No. <laughs> what What the heck? You know, I, I, man, if some dude came up to me and said, Look, man, God has called me to this, uh uh-huh, I bet he has. No, you cannot do that to the glory of God. Um, God is not calling you to that. You cannot go into uh, an environment such as that and, you know, quote unquote, do ministry. Um, you know, I mean, I would say as a, you know, perhaps a female, you know, someone who previously worked in that environment go in minister to the to the ladies that are caught up in that environment. Okay, um, fine, but uh, but as a as a man, I would say no. God is not calling you to go into uh, strip clubs or whatever and uh, and go in there and minister to those people. Uh, I think you're putting yourself in a position that is. Uh, that is compromised, uh, just in and of itself. And that that is not something that is ultimately to the glory of God.
1: All things are lawful, but not all things are what permissible, permissible. There you go. And I think it's, it's a shame how many people will cloak what they're doing under the banner of ministry. Um, And it's shameful because it's not to the glory of God. I think you gave a good illustration there. And I agree with you 100%. uh, You're passing the test so far, all right? I won't say what kind of grades you're getting because I'm going to leave that for our audience to judge.
0: Okay, good. I'm trying to answer these questions to the glory of God.
1: (laughs) Well, now things get a whole lot stickier. We're at the third part of the exam. We've went from clearly what the things that we all know that we do to glory of God, what things we cannot do to the glory of God. But let's get to some of the real sticky situations, the such and such, as we talked about early on. Eating fatty foods, Mm. high cholesterol, fatty foods. My wife will answer this for you. Absolutely not. Can that be done to the glory of God? (laughs) What is your say?
0: Oh man! You, well, first of all, you know I'm a, a bit of a, a health nut sort of a guy, but I, I do still very much enjoy my foods. Anyone who's been on my Facebook knows that I like to get in the kitchen and uh, and get down with some good food. Um, <clears throat> can you eat fatty foods to the glory of God? Here's what I would say about that. I, I when it comes to food, the specific scriptural. Uh, Prohibition is against gluttony, um, which which I basically see as using food as a functional savior. Um, you, you are eating to the point of excess and uh, to, to the point and, and maybe not even just I don't think gluttony is defined as one time. You know, you had this killer meal. Friends were over and you just had too much. Uh, that's not what I think it's getting to. I think it's talking about the habitual, regular abuse of food. As, a, uh, as something either which you are addicted to in an un- unhealthy manner, uh, it has become a functional savior, you're looking to it uh, to provide uh, comfort, uh, in, a, in a sense, uh, you're looking to it to, uh, as an, a way of escape, uh, I think there you're going to run into an issue of sin, that a substance is being abused. And I do find it strange, honestly, Aaron, within so many Christian circles in America that, uh, you know, they don't have any problem with the constant abuse of food, but they will look at something such as alcoholic beverages and say that is inherently sinful uh, while having no problem with an issue of gluttony. To where I would look at either one of them and say either one are good gifts from God, but either one could be abused if, uh, if used in a manner that is idolatrous.
1: Yeah, any, any potluck dinner at any local evangelical church just shows the, the, uh, the love for fatty foods, the, the baked beans, the, the, uh, the ham dinner, all of those things kind of right there, the pastas all right in your face. And yet, you're saying you can't say that's okay, and then on the reverse, say the 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 somebody's enjoyment of a of a fine wine is bad, especially right. when wine is actually talked about in scripture. And more specifically, you get that a little bit of wine is good for the stomach, as Paul tells yeah. young Timothy.
0: So, yeah, I think either you know the issue at hand here is you can take good gifts from God, food, drink, sex, whatever and use it and abuse it in an ungodly, perverse, sinful, idolatrous manner. And and so as we use those things, if we're going to use the good gifts of God in a way that we can say we are doing it to the glory of God, then we have to use it in accordance with the word and will of God. And those are the things that we find outlined for us uh, in Scripture.
1: Well, that's good but now we got to get to a hot button because if you answer this wrong, I'll have to eject you cigars to the glory of God.
0: Hmm. Oh boy. Uh, you know, this becomes the, the, the big issue I hear about uh, tobacco is that, uh, you you hear the issue. Everyone says, well, it causes cancer, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So if you're using this, it is inherently destructive to your body. And they'll say, well, don't you know your body's the temple of God? I'm like, yeah, but you didn't care about that when you were just at KFC. Uh, (laughs) And so uh, I think, again, there's probably a little bit of hypocrisy there. There's more than a little bit of hypocrisy uh, when that kind of stuff gets thrown out. Now, here's what I would say. Um, Paul says over in 1 Corinthians— uh, you know, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved to anything. Uh, now, I think that right there, he, he's dealing with the matter of addiction. Can uh, something such as cigarettes, which, by the way, at least to my understanding, have a lot of other uh, chemical stuff thrown in there that promote addiction, can, uh, can you be smoking cigarettes to the glory of God? Uh, If you're finding yourself in bondage to that thing, you have to have it. Uh, That's an issue of sin. That cannot be done to the glory of God. Uh, Along Paul, you should say, I will not be enslaved to anything. Uh, Now, I have not personally found that to be the case with cigars. Uh, I find that there are those who who enjoy them, who use them in a... uh, you know, they're not chain-smoking cigars throughout the day. They're not, I have to have this to function. Uh, but but rather use them in such a way to where they enjoy them in a, uh, a moderate fashion. And I would say, yeah, I think you can do that to the glory of God.
1: Okay, very good. Now, I need to take us to one more big issue. Are you ready? Bring it on. Recently... Somebody I went to seminary with and who was actually the president of a seminary by the name of Frank Reich, went from being the president of a seminary, a pastor at a church, and then went back into the NFL where he started his early career. He was a backup quarterback for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills, kind of bounced around the league a little bit, ended up in Charlotte, North Carolina with the Panthers, and eventually went to seminary at RTS there. Came the president there, went back into the NFL. And going back into the NFL, he eventually found himself on the Super Bowl champs, the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to put that out there to remind everybody who won the Super Bowl. As I thought off- you were going to say, is
0: it possible to be on the Eagles to the glory of God?
1: God. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he, obviously they won the Super Bowl. and So he, he was the offensive coordinator. He now takes the position as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and all over the internet amongst Christian uh, Sabbatarians, they're saying this cannot be done to the glory of God. Mm. Can a man truly who was a seminary graduate, ordained minister, president of a seminary, work a job that will always be played on Sunday? How's, what say you, Mr. Santola?
0: Oh, man, we're just kicking the hornet's nest today. And by the way, just so you guys know who are listening to this, I had no idea that I was on this end of the conversation until we got into this discussion. Uh, <laughs> that's okay, though. Moving along. Uh, so so what happens if you have a job where you have to work every Sunday? Um, I would say this. Uh, you know, Sabbatarians, uh, even those who would consider themselves Sabbatarians, seem to have very uh, a wide variety of views views on exactly to what degree the Lord's day uh, is to be set apart. You, know, you talk about, okay, well, work of you know good and necessary consequence, uh, you know, works of mercy, that kind of thing, obviously, we'd say are permissible on the Lord's day. Uh, I try to make sure that, uh, you know, I work in a hospital right now part-time, and I try to make sure that I don't get scheduled on Sunday, because I'd like to set that day aside uh, to in worship with my family and uh, and to honor the Lord's day in that way. But obviously there are those jobs that uh, are it's it's necessary. Necessi- the works of necess-
1: uh, uh, the necessary, the, the necessity of right. those jobs, police officers, EMT, uh, nurses, doctors is an NFL coach, a work of necessity.
0: Is it a work of necessity? Yeah, that's probably going to depend on who you talk to. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, is it a work of necessity? I would say no. Obviously, no one's life is in danger. Uh, You know, like some of the ones you named, I mean, first responders, emergency services, uh, you know, it's easy to see those as ministries of mercy, uh, as, you know, works of necessity. With the NFL, we would say no, it's not. To
1: help help our listeners understand the work of necessity, this is when Jesus is talking about if an ox falls into a ditch on a Sabbath, you're going to go and get the the ox out of the ditch. And so there are certain things that are just required for you to do work on the Sabbath. The question comes when it's it's an NFL, entertainment, TV-driven work, is that necessary? Is it a work of necessity?
0: Right, and the hard thing is going to be as we go down the line here. If you're going to follow this consistently, if you're a server at a restaurant, can you work on Sunday? Uh, you know, how how far, where where does the line get drawn? Um, you know, me being able to go get a burger on Sunday, uh, am I forcing somebody now to work on the Lord's Day? Uh, should I abstain from eating out? Now, I'm mentioning all these things because I've heard all of this kind of argumentation. You're mentioning them because you break every one of those. Yeah, (laughs) uh... (laughs) You know, honestly, I would not consider myself a a hard-line Sabbatarian. Like I said, I mean, I I try to make sure I'm off work and I'm there in worship. And that would be the thing is I would say, look, if, if you're honoring the Lord's Day and making sure that you are in service, you're not forsaking the gathering together of God's people... Uh, you know, you're with your family. They're gathered together uh, to worship on the Lord's day, to sit under the preaching of the word, to receive a, a word and sacrament. Then I think you're honoring the Lord's day in that. Um, now, if you're forsaking that and saying, "No, I'm just," uh, I man, I'm out there to make that dollar. And
1: if, if I could say to your defense, your argument would be Colossians two sixteen. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festivals or new moons or a Sabbath. And right. so you're going to say, Hey, that let everybody's individual conscience play out is going to be Mr. Santola's."
0: Right. And I'm well aware that uh, the hardline side of that is going to say, well, that's not talking about the Lord's day. That's talking about these other Sabbaths. Uh, I, I get it. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. But, uh, <clears throat> And, but it it really ends up coming down to, you know, where are you at on that particular issue of just how far does the Lord's day go? Um, and I, I personally think sometimes, uh, you know, I, I have no issue with saying, look, if you're setting that day aside and, you know, to the best of your ability, you're going to be there in worship, uh, with the people of God, uh, then you're, you're honoring the Lord's day, um. I don't think you need to go home and make sure you don't kindle a fire. You don't cook a meal. You're not gathering sticks. Uh, and and I'm so, so Manning a position now. I'm sure they're going to say, yeah, you are. But
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, But what I hear you saying, as long as you're not forsaking the assembling together, you're honoring the Sabbath. I I, I want to push yet further into a career that will probably not allow you to attend uh, a worship service on Sunday, And now I understand some churches celebrate, have multiple worship services, and they have a Saturday worship service, maybe they have a Sunday night worship service, and the the argument goes on. Coming back to the issue of a profession that will not allow you to gather when your local church assembles on Sunday at 11, at least during the whole football season, is that a violation or not?
0: I would say this, according to my own conscience, I would not do it.
1: You would not do it. And so you've heard it here first, folks. Chris Santola would not do it. (laughs) He will not accept the job of the Indianapolis Colts.
0: Yeah, I I, I just I would not want to be in a position where I could not be gathering together uh, with the church on the Lord's Day. Um, You know, obviously there are those occasions we can't do that. Uh, you know, something happens and I, I have to work on a Sunday. Hey, well, okay. Um, the, pushba-
1: the pushback, though, from many on the social media has been, wait a second, this guy's able to reach people in a whole s- sphere of of influence with good Reformed theology. And I know Frank has good Reformed theology. I've been in classes with him. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's presenting uh, the Reformed truths to those people, we're not just talking Calvinism; we are talking confessional, um, confessional understanding of Scripture. He's he's doing that in Bible studies. He's leading men to read Calvin and and uh, other great Reformed thinkers. So, isn't that far outweighing any of the bad that mm. that that can happen? And so, I'm pushing back in on you, Mister Santola Oh, okay. What's your, what's your thought there?
0: My my initial thought on that without having really any knowledge of this whole situation other than what you've just told me, is how can you do something which in and of itself would be God-glorifying? I mean, anyone would say teaching a Bible study to the glory of God. Sure. Um, Evangelizing and sharing the gospel. uh, Absolutely. Uh, You know, teaching good theology to the glory of God, obviously. But now, wait a second. What if I have to violate one of God's other commands uh, of something he has told me I ought to do or, or not do, uh, in order to then say, well, I'm doing, I'm not doing this or doing this in order. So I can do these things. Um, I, I think that's going to be the rub, uh, is, uh, can you- so am I supposed to break another command in order to do that? Uh, one person might say no then on the other side, in this particular situation, you may ha- may have someone say, "Look, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath."
1: Yeah, the scripture talked about not touching dead bodies, and and Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, he uh, he called people forth from resurrection. Well, he didn't touch them. He didn't touch them. Well, what about when the prophet Elijah uh, laid on the uh, the the dead boy, or uh, was Elisha, and and in that situation? Is does he break? Is he violating one commandment to do another, uh, um, and so to do good and bring this boy back to life? And so there's this tension at times in Scripture, and I guess I'm pushing it on you. Yet still, when is that okay and when is that not okay? Our listeners want to know what Chris Sentola thinks.
0: Yes, millions are listening. What what does Sentola think? I'm sure that's what's what on everybody's mind. Um, you know, I would come back to my own position on this, which uh, would probably be labeled uh, a moderate Sabbatarian position Uh, Which is no Sabbatarian at all. Yeah, there's yeah, that's basically what some are gonna say Uh, (laughs) But uh, you know, is, is this a constant regular thing? I mean, I've already said I would not want a job where I had to work every Sunday um, now let's let's flip the script there a little bit though. Uh, as an ordained minister, Aaron, don't you work every Sunday?
1: <laughs> it's not work, brother. It's it's amazing refreshment to be uh, oh, to be poured oh. out for Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't you uh-huh. dare try to cross it over uh-huh. to me. Uh huh. I,
1: I will say, kind of talking. I about... tried
0: just now to throw the ball back into <laughs> Aaron's court, <laughs> and
1: I just I just hit it out of the park what I did uh, oh, no, to, to, to get back to the idea of the ordained minister here in this situation that we're, we're really wrestling back and forth with is you have a uh, an individual who's ordained in a conservative Presbyterian body and obviously he must have taken exception to his uh, view of how the Sabbath is to be lived out and therefore his denomination allows him to take exceptions and he obviously must have taken an exception on that that he doesn't view it the same way that the Westminster divines have written it and therefore in his own conscience he can be in good standing with his denomination uh, pursuing a career that in maybe way, some ways his views as an evangelist to that to that sphere or place of work and i think that's some of the conversations that have to be had is can a man be an evangelist And what does that look like? And I'm not saying he has or is. I'm just saying because I don't know enough about that particular situation to speak into it. But he's obviously taken an exception at the very least um, to that. And then I understand some denominations don't allow exceptions. Others do. And that's for you to work out with your denomination. Um, But here in the confessional collective, we we understand there's sides, uh, arguments on both sides of that. Um, Charles Hodge wrote quite extensively about why he believed exceptions were good. Um, Others have written why they believe they're not good. Um, But here is a case where obviously this is a a, a perfect example of somebody taking exceptions. He's therefore not violating because it's been approved by his presbytery. Um, And so we're going to leave it up to the vote of the people. No, ultimately, it's not up to the vote of the people. It's all to God, right? All to the glory of God.
0: No, and, you know, the whole reason we're getting into this this way, not so much because, you know, we want you guys to know what I think about it, because I still haven't heard what Aaron thinks about all these things, but uh, <laughs> it's not so much about what I think about it, but let's stimulate some thought amen, uh, of these things. And, you know, why do we do what we do? And when we're going to say, uh, in a in accordance with 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, How do we do that? What can be done? What should not be done? Uh, You know, how do we live our lives to the glory of God in everything that we do? We want to stimulate some thought on that end of things. Yeah.
1: So if you belong to a ministry called Perverts for Christ, get out. Get out. If you enjoy your cigar, enjoy it to the glory of God and enjoy... Your work. It's a gift from God. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.
0: Later, guys. Thanks for listening to the Confessional Collective Podcast. For more information and resources, please visit confessionalcollective.com and be sure to like our Facebook.